Good day. Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny, Grand Bill's in for Bill Michaels. Welcome to the rest of the network joining us for this hour. Grant, so we mentioned early in the last hour as the show was leading off about where the Bucks now stand in the East. Everything looked different this weekend than it had when the games were played in Milwaukee. They they demolished the Bulls. They they smashed them in every facet of the game. Neither of them were even close to competitive. I guess I ask you first, what significantly changed aside from just doing the little things right and not throwing the ball out of bounds pretty much every time they got on a fast break? Oh, what changed? Hmm, I think the focus was there, right? They were dialed in. Maybe they needed to lose a game or maybe they needed to lose Chris Middleton. Maybe they just needed something. I The Bucks had beaten the Bulls, I think, 16 out of 17 times coming into the series. And it would be easy for me as a fan to say, well, it's the playoffs. You still got to be locked in and, you know, you can't show up and, and play half-assed. But if you'd beaten a team 16 out of 17 times, man, you, you like, do you know how hard it would be to come in and be locked in right away? So I guess I don't necessarily fault the Bucks for starting a little slow. I think going into Milwaukee probably, or going into Chicago rather, probably woke them up, made them feel like they had to sharpen up a little bit. Um, so I think the overall energy was different, but Grayson Allen's playing great. He's finding open spots on the floor. Giannis and Drew are getting him the ball and he's knocking down his threes. His defense was there. And Grayson Allen yesterday, seeing we're probably going to talk more about Grayson Allen. Mm-hmm. He said after the game, it's like, when I play good on defense, that translates to my offense. Grayson Allen had three steals yesterday. Pat Connaughton looked as good as he's looked in this postseason so far. I thought his energy was really good. He didn't take a lot of shots. He's kind of taking a backseat role, at least as a bench player to Grayson Allen, but he was flying around on defense. He was making impact plays. He was active. I I just, I I think they woke up and the energy of that waking up after game two, I think really led to all of these different individuals playing so much better. So I I think maybe, maybe going into Chicago, maybe losing a game, maybe losing Chris Middleton. I I don't know, but it, it, the vibe completely changed this weekend. And, the effects were seen in, in all of these different players all over the game. So you mentioned the defense, and I think that's really interesting because the duo of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are very formidable, obviously. But I also think, I, I feel like the perimeter defending unit of Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen isn't much of a step down at all. And Grayson Allen obviously didn't start the basketball game, but you look at what they did against DeMar DeRozan. And part of that, well, I think, was Coach Bud. He, he did a really good job of throwing like a Giannis or someone in there as like a free safety where wherever, whenever DeRozan would try to drive, uh, Giannis would, would sag off of Vucevic or, or whoever he was on, Patrick Williams. Um, but DeRozan, 8 of 20 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3. I, I think the perimeter defending unit was so much better than that. Uh, a lot of the shots the Bulls were taking were more challenging. You do expect a lot of role players to shoot better when they're at home than they do on the road. But I, I think the tone was set. And then it, even in those games, it still took a little bit. Like Milwaukee was up 25-22 at the end of the first. And then as soon as that second quarter started and, and Grayson Allen started hitting everything, they they went off. So I think the defense is a big part of that. I think what Coach Bud has done against DeRozan and against Levine and some of the perimeter guys has been really impressive. But I think the biggest thing is what you mentioned. I, I just think the focus was better. I, I It was remarkably better. And maybe losing a game was what they needed. I don't know necessarily the Chris Middleton loss. But, I, I yeah. mean, and part of that also I think is I 
when you get a guy in Grayson Allen that is now getting a chance to have a significant role on a title contending team, and then a guy goes down, he is one. He's been one of the players. It's he has a chip on his shoulder, and sometimes he does take that out by tripping people. But that chip does also show up when someone has to take a significant role, right? He needs to be a scorer. He needs to play defense. I think he has the, his mental makeup, I think, is perfectly fit for going into that role and doing well. That was a compliment for Grayson Allen, by the way. I just complimented Grayson Allen, and that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, well, well done. That was a fair compliment. You didn't go over the top with praise. Um, Giannis has asked after the game, and I have a cut. I'll probably play this on my show later tonight, or maybe we have it somewhere in in today's show. Who knows? But he was asked, like, did you guys need to lose a game? And I liked Giannis' answer. It was basically like, well, no, probably not. But he, he also didn't go so far as to say that it didn't help. Right. So maybe losing that game changed the energy. Yeah. I also think defensively they were more dialed in. And I talked about this on my show on Friday. If Alex Caruso is going to play point guard for the Bulls, you need to make him work. And they made him work. Right. They just pressured him a little bit and tired him out throughout the game. And if you're going to let DeMar DeRozan take all these shots, at least at least make him work. Right. If Don't let him just waltz into his spot and he'll still make some shots because he's a tough shot maker and Caruso will still make some plays but you just need to make these guys work a little bit harder on offense. Don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just make them work a little bit harder. The Bucks did a great job of that this weekend, and the results were really, really obvious. So going in, I did not think that game three was a must win. And it's a cliche term that's thrown around a lot. Is it a must win? Is it a can't lose? You know, I love it. Could they, if they go down two one, is, is the season over? Are they going to, are, are they no longer title contenders? I didn't think it was a must win. I thought it was a must look good. I thought the Bucks had to go into Chicago and put out an effort that looked a lot better than the previous two games. Yet, if Chicago just shot the lights out and played the best game they've ever played in their lives, I could have seen the Bucks losing that game and still feeling fine. But then they obviously sure. go out and win by 30, and then they do it again yesterday and win by a lot. And even when the, the Bulls clawed back, they had it in them to just deliver knockout blow after knockout blow. So, yeah, I'm with you. And we mentioned earlier, where do the Bucks stand in the East? I do still think that this is this should be the favorite in the East. Until someone shows they can beat them in a seven-game series, right? Other teams are going to go up 2-0. I, I, I think, how many game ones did the Bucks lose last year? All of them? Minus Miami? All of them except for Miami. And Which, then in the bubble, they lost both games one, game one, two. They lost in 2019 to Boston... Um, they lose game ones under bud. That's what they do, which is, which is fine. But yeah, yeah. they're going to go and they're going to lose game one or two against Boston. And I'm going to feel okay about it because I, uh, until someone shows that they can hang with them for a whole series and somehow stop Giannis, who's the best player in the world, then I'm not going to go bet on another team to win. I could be regretting this, what I'm about to say about the Celtics, but if I was a Bucks fan, which I am, and I wanted to make the case for why the Bucks will beat the Celtics or could beat the Celtics. Best player in the series, obviously, with Giannis, right? We can just, that's an argument you would make. I actually don't mind that they're starting on the road in this series because Boston has been rolling. They have this momentum. The Bucs don't play well in game one anyways, so why do they need it at home? I, I, I weirdly think there are advantages to starting on the road in an NBA playoff series. I, I think there are positives. It takes the right type of team. The Celtics are also this team, and, and this is the part that I could regret saying. This could make me look stupid in a couple weeks. The Celtics seem like one of those teams that is really finely tuned, well-oiled, very precise. They're, they're just humming, right? And the second that you knock them off balance or you rough them up for a game or you get on the offensive glass, you can kind of rattle them a little bit. This is what the Bucks were in 1819 when the Raptors got them. It's what the Nets and the Suns were last year 
They both got up on the Bucks 2-0, no problem. And then the Bucks got physical and started to wear him down. And all of a sudden, that well-oiled machine isn't so well-oiled anymore. Maybe we're seeing that with the Suns now. The Pelicans have tied it up 2-2, and obviously Booker's hurt. But maybe that's the case with the Celtics, too. They're going to look really good to start the series, and you're going to think, oh, God, the Bucs don't have a chance. And then the Bucs start, they, they just keep coming. There's more physicality, more offensive rebounding, more size. And over the course of a series, that can wear a team down. Maybe the Celtics are a team like that. Maybe not, but but maybe. That's my hope as a Bucs fan. I do think I agree with the first thing you said. Um, I don't know if I would go as far as to agree with the second. I do think there is something to be said about a team where everything goes right and then something finally goes wrong and we don't yeah. know how they're going to face it because mm-hmm. it hasn't gone wrong yet this playoffs. But I do think they have, one, the star power in Tatum and Brown, but two, I do think they have the grittiness that if they get punched in the mouth, they are more yeah. than willing to punch back. I wouldn't That's call right. them one of those softer teams by any measure. I would maybe go as far as to say the Nets are showing that that is who they are right now, uh, especially in this playoffs. But the first thing you said, it feels weird to say, but I the Bucks might be better on the road. Man. And I don't know if I- stats back that up, but the eye test for me says that they are a better road team right now. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because, and there's a big thing made. I don't know why it's a big thing. Why do people always complain about putting on the free t-shirt giveaways? Oh, I don't know. Wait, why do people complain or why do people not wear the t-shirts? Why do people not wear them? And then why why is there a complaining about the not wearing? Who cares? So you don't care if people wear the t-shirt. Is that what you're saying? I don't care if people wear them or don't wear them. And I also... Okay. Don't care if people complain about those who are wearing them or not wearing them. Okay. I don't care about any of it. The weird thing that I don't get, and you are not from Wisconsin originally, so maybe you have an interesting perspective. When you see the crowd pans at a Brewer game or a Bucks game, and it kind of looks like they just came from a fish fry in a church basement somewhere, <laughs> the style's not great in the state of Wisconsin. That's what I don't get, is somebody will not put on the free t-shirt and instead elect for their tattered and torn fleet farm hoodie and it's like hey i love fleet farm but why are you protecting that fit so much it's like no i i can't put on the free t-shirt i gotta wear my oil stained like auto value crew neck (laughs) i don't get it it's something very weird about wisconsin crowds but i i think the bucks to get back to the the main point i kind of like starting on the road i kind of like it um and starting on the road in boston is no easy game by by any means i mean maybe and yes i am completely looking past game five and if there's a game six and god forbid if there's a game seven against the bulls the bulls are dead they they are not coming back in this series they might win one more game in milwaukee just because the bucks have been weird at home but they are not Giannis is not going to let the bulls win this series and i mean we saw that this weekend so looking forward and the nets are not going to win that series the nets are also dead looking forward I mean, the X factor in that Celtics series, and you're more of a basketball guy than I am, but I remember for years, Al Horford was always considered the Giannis stopper or, yeah. or he was like D uh, he's versatile enough to run with people. He's not massive where a bigger center sometimes give him, gives him problems, but for what the Celtics do defensively, Horford's fast. I mean, he could become the X factor yet. I feel like starting in that building, could help. I Giannis and all those guys and Alan talked about this. They are feeding off the opposing fans and what they're saying, especially in Chicago, which is like massive little brother complex right now in this series. Yeah. And home games against the bulls are a little weird because there's so many Chicago people that come up and I don't necessarily blame bucks fans for selling their tickets, 
because they can make a lot of money. The Bulls series isn't really a thing anyways. And Chicago has, what, three, four, five, six times the amount of people? Like, you're just going to get fans. So the home court advantage in a Bulls series is a little weird. It would be like Brewers-Cubs. Like, it's a, it's kind of an outlier example and an outlier discussion. The thing that's tough with Boston, and you mentioned Al Horford, Al Horford is, is a good prototype to defend Giannis. It doesn't mean he's going to stop him, right? Andre Iguodala was the LeBron stopper for years, and LeBron would still get, you know, 28-7-7. Seven and seven. But Boston doesn't have a weak link to attack defensively. You saw they were just running Bobby Portis at DeMar DeRozan yesterday, just attacking that over and over and over again. On Boston, you're either going at Al Horford, Marcus Smart, who's a defensive player of the year, or Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are two of the, the most switchable, versatile defensive wings in the NBA. Really not a soft spot on this Boston defense. And that's, I'm having a tough time getting over that. I'm having a tough time feeling good about, currently, especially without Middleton, a Buck Celtic series for that reason. There's just nowhere to attack Boston. I would retort to that, I guess, on the offensive side, when the Celtics have the ball, they're just able to run at Seth Curry or Patty Mills and find that one guy in the net starting five and just destroy him on the defensive side. Yeah. Yet the Bucks, when they take the court, they don't have a player like that. There's no one you point to and say they can be attacked all game long and exploited. At least not in the starting lineup. Yeah, and I'd like to think even, even their defensive players off the bench who might be considered liabilities like somebody might want to target Grayson and Pat can hold up fine. They're not terrible. They'll hold up fine. And Bobby Portis again, will hold up fine. He might make a great play. He might give up a dunk, but he's not apathetic completely on defense. So even the bucks, lesser defenders, I still feel okay about, you know, relative to some other players on some other teams that are, are real defensive nightmares. Do you think it's fair to call this series coming up, which we will see between the Celtics and the bucks, yes. the Eastern conference finals? Yes. Because I am. Yes. I don't think Jimmy Butler scoring 30 plus a game against the team. That's not Atlanta. Dude, Atlanta is so bad. I wanted to watch Atlanta, Miami last night. Atlanta couldn't even fake being a good viable defensive team for an hour. And I don't know. You're a Philly guy. What do you think of the Sixers? I don't think the Sixers are as good as Milwaukee or Boston. Um, I could tell you coming up because we'll get in across the NBA because I want to talk about a certain player in New York as well. And what Stephen a had to say about him because the nets are pretty much dead. Everyone thought that they would, as soon as the playoffs started, they would turn this switch and be the Bucks' biggest contender. But no, that answer is Boston. So we're talking about that. I, I'll give you my take on it. Um, I'm not totally sold, but I'll tell you why. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in on the Bill Michaels Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels today. 877-867-1670. It's how you get a hold of the program. Your thoughts on the Brewers? What happened in Philly over the weekend? The umpiring debacle that was with Angel Hernandez. Your thoughts on the Bucks taking two from the Bulls in Chicago. Now I think they're back. They should be considered the favorite in the East, even without Middleton for a couple weeks. Grant still is a little hesitant with them going to play the Celtics. Um, But you mentioned going into last break about the rest of the NBA playoffs. And Grant, I saw this when I woke up this morning. I present to you Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) Notice I said Kyrie Irving. 
is one of the most selfish superstars we've ever seen, and obviously one of the most selfish athletes we've ever seen. I didn't say the word the, the, the as in number one, because obviously he ain't got nothing on Ben Simmons. Nobody is worse than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons might also be the weakest, most pathetic excuse for a professional athlete we have ever seen. Ooh. Now, I'm not going to go that far because, I mean, uh, Stephen A., I, I love it when he holds back like that, you know? I, I love it when he keeps the bullets in the, in, in the gun and doesn't just completely fire them off. Um, but the Nets are, are a complete dumpster fire. Uh, there was a report that Simmons would play game four. They are down 3-0 to the Celtics. Uh, now the report is that he will not play in a stunning turn of events that none of us could have seen coming. Um, what are, I, I guess, what do you think about him? Because, I mean, I'm clear with where I stand. I've, I've never been a fan. He, he hasn't won anywhere he's been. He was at LSU. They didn't make the tournament. He quit on the team. He goes to Philly. He does not even put an ounce of effort into getting better. Giannis and him, in the beginning of their careers, were similar in a way. They weren't good shooters. They were unrefined, but they had loads of potential. Giannis has achieved all of that potential and gets better every single offseason. Ben Simmons, on the other hand, has not changed one bit and just thinks that it's okay. And now, as I mentioned in my Twitter poll, him and Angel Hernandez are both cashing massive paychecks for being yeah. either not good at their job or just not doing it. So where are you at with that? Okay, so I have two Ben Simmons things. Uh, one from the game the other night, but a big picture. You compared him to Giannis. I, I want to talk about how him and Giannis are different. Um, I remember like three years ago, a lot of people were comparing the two because Ben Simmons was bursting onto the scene and Giannis obviously wasn't as polished as he is now. And people would say, would you rather have Simmons? Would you rather have Giannis? Or something that you heard a lot is if Simmons were in a situation like Giannis, he would be putting up the same numbers. Remember that one? Like that's something Ugh. people used to say a lot. I hate Which, numbers. Yeah. Like he could put up the same numbers. I, I I don't know that I disagree. Like Ben Simmons has a similar enough body. The blueprint is there. He could turn himself into something like Giannis. I don't know if he could, could become Giannis completely, but the potential is there. I think, and I talked about this a lot last summer, Ben, I think Ben Simmons is more afraid of looking bad than he is, than desire he has to look good, right? He would rather sit on the bench and not make a fool of himself rather than go out and try. And that's an issue that Giannis has never had. Giannis had two or three of the worst postseasons ever in terms of like vibes at the free throw line. I'm sure there are worse shooters, but for someone who's taken that many free throws in the playoffs, I don't know if there's anyone that's ever looked that bad. And Giannis didn't care. Kept taking fouls, kept going to the line because he knew that's what was good for his team. And Giannis was working to get better. Ben Simmons could never, he could never do that. And I think that's the best example when comparing how Giannis is wired one way, Ben Simmons is wired another, even if physically they're, they're built similarly, but the mental side, the work ethic side, the personality side, there's a canyon of difference between the two. There's a video that Andrew Brandt, great Twitter follow, obviously former uh, executive for the Packers. Friend of Bill Michaels show, I be friend of, I think friend of the Bill Michaels show has appeared numerous times. He tweets out the video of Giannis in the playoffs last year about ego versus humility and thinking about not what you have done in the past, but what you can do and are trying to do in the future. I, I would say Giannis is probably the best wired athlete, professional athlete out there right now. You could throw Tom Brady in there and some of the other greats, but no one is wired as perfectly as he is to achieve greatness, obviously as a, an individual, but also to best 
be positioned to achieve greatness as a team. And he has everything that Ben Simmons does not have off the court and uh, and upstairs in his head. Yeah. You mentioned Ben Simmons not wanting to look bad. I mean, have you seen what he's worn on the bench? <laughs> at least okay. blend in. Like at least it's- wear dark, at least wear something close to the Nets warmups instead of every single bright color in the rainbow. This is an old man take. And this is something else I want to bring up. So I'm glad you walked me right into this. This is going to sound like an old man take, but I believe it 100%. That situation with him wearing blaze orange in a group of guys who are wearing black and gray, that kind of, that just kind of highlights what's wrong with this whole situation. It's like Ben Simmons, you're supposed to be going through kind of a mental reset as a basketball player because he was humiliated in that series against Atlanta. We could all agree that would be tough to come back from. He wanted a new situation. He gets it. He's supposed to be working behind the scenes to get back. But yet on the bench, he wants to draw this attention to himself. And I know it's just an outfit. I know it is, but I feel like until you get back on the court, you can't wear something like you, you wear the warm up. wear the warm up. Cam Newton can wear some crazy outfit. If he goes out and plays, he was the he MVP. Yeah. And I, I just saw him the other day sitting on the bench with those, those orange threads or whatever he was wearing. I'm like, see, this is what's wrong with this whole thing. He should be wearing a sweatsuit, just blending in, trying to work his way back. And he's not. No. Um, and I mean, everyone thought as soon as I, th- everyone thought as soon as he arrived in New York, that it would be different because it's a new situation. And I do think there is something there with playing him right now would be a horrible miscalculation by Steve Nash. He is not fit to just enter a game four of a first round of the playoff series and expect him to again, you know, be confident and be good. But I do think there is something to be said of he did not put in any work when he was sitting out of every game in Philadelphia and cashing $30 million. He didn't put any work to be ready wherever he was going to be next. Like even if the back is hurting him, which I'm sure it is a little bit, what was he doing for the months? Like my back hurts right now. It's because I walked 36 holes of golf this weekend and I'm in terrible shape. But I mean, I blame that on like I, I have not worked out enough to be ready to do that. I think it's a similar situation. He just gets paid tens of millions of dollars to do it. I want to, I want to talk one more time about the mindset of Ben Simmons versus Giannis. Giannis isn't afraid of failure. Giannis wants to succeed more than he feels or fears failure. And it's the opposite with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons would rather sit on the bench than go out there and fail. Even if he's giving it his best effort. Can I play you a cut? I know you're in charge of the buttons and the ones and the twos and everything. I I Um, know you can send it to me. Uh, I I might be able to just send it to you because it's coming through the same board. It's short. And if it doesn't work, it's no big deal. I can send it to you. This is last year going into the playoffs. Giannis was asked, come up short against the Raptors in the heat. Now you guys are playing Miami again. Can you tell me if, or make a promise as to why it'll be different this time? If you can't hear this, let me know, Ben. um, You talked a bunch earlier about learning from past playoff experiences, both for yourself and the team. Obviously there's some new faces this year, but what have you learned from the past couple of years when you haven't gotten to where you've wanted to go? And why do you think this year will be different? Uh, I don't know if this year is going to be different. I'm not going to lie to you. Now you say that. Uh, it might be the same. Who knows? It might. We'll see. The results are going to talk on themselves at the end. Uh, so he continues to talk about the bubble. But I love that answer because he's so free. You can tell that there's not this huge pressure to not look bad or to not embarrass himself. Whereas I think Ben Simmons would like, oh God, I looked horrendous last year. People are clowning me. If this isn't the moment, if, if I mess this up, it's I, I'm done. Giannis is just like, all right, we'll see. 
you know, we've worked to get better. We've worked out. We've improved the team. I don't know if it's going to be different. I can't promise that, but here we go. Right. And Giannis just plays with this free mindset. And if he gets dunked on or blocked at the rim, whatever, he'll come back and try the next play. And I think that little soundbite from last year highlights it so well. Yep. And Ben Simmons was almost, almost is the key word. The only player in NBA history to be eliminated from the playoffs in two consecutive games. <laughs> One would think that would be impossible, but I don't know. It's I, nuts that people are like, yeah, he should come back. It's a terrible idea, but because he's been out for so long and it's such a weird situation, we're mad that he's not coming back. But it, like, what a horrendous idea. Bring him back in an elimination game. Yeah. Nah. Horrible. Uh, horrible. And Steve horrible. Nash ended up saying earlier today that he never quote expected Simmons to play, which I mean, very on brand. I mean, that this just brings up the larger discussion of every year. People just start crowning teams as the contenders to whoever had just won. Obviously for years when LeBron was on the heat and the Cavs, there's a new team every year. The 2016 Hawks, I think back to, I'm a big Kyle Korver fan. Um, nice. So I, I loved that team and everyone crowned them. They were the one seed. They were playing so well in the regular season. Everyone said, oh, they're going to give the heat a run. It's like, maybe that just is never the case. When you have teams that win and win titles, they win it for a reason. Like I go over to the West right now and I would put my money in Golden State's basket because they've been there. And one, they're obviously playing great basketball, but they are a team that has climbed the mountain and done it. And the East right now, I mean, Boston and Milwaukee, and there is nobody else I'm confident in. So I guess sure. this is a roundabout way to say in terms of what Philly looks like, I, they stand no chance. They don't. Um, part of that is, and beat is kind of hurt. Part of that yeah. is James Harden is a shell of who he was three years ago. And he the biggest part that. about that is Glenn rivers is not a coach equipped to win a title. <laughs> he won a title in Boston Dude. when he had a bunch of hall of famers, but yeah. right now the buttons he's pushing the way he is, I, motivation is the wrong word there, but we see what Coach Bud does when you go back to Chicago and you see the defense play better and you see the tenacity get better. Glenn Rivers is the opposite of that. Glenn Rivers <laughs> does none of it. And, I mean, the Sixers have a 3-1 lead. I would not put it behind him to blow that somehow. We have seen it yeah. time and time again. Well, you talk about teams that win championships. Once you win one, I think you have a better understanding of what it takes, obviously, to win one, right? And I, I know this as a fan. This is going to sound really lame. I've watched the NBA forever, and I love the playoffs. I love the finals, but I've never experienced first round, second round, conference finals, finals with my team. And coming away from the postseason last year after the Bucks won, the only thing I can think about is it's, it takes forever. It takes so long, right? You need to win three series to even make the finals. And then again, it's two weeks here, two weeks here. It's this marathon and I think that probably helps the Bucks to have just uh, experienced that because they look around and think, yeah, well, Chris is hurt, but, you know, this is going to go on for another two months, right? Giannis got hurt last year. We've dealt with injuries, right? The, the idea that this is being decided right now and the Celtics look amazing and the Heat look amazing and the Bucks are thinking, no, 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 no. This is going to take weeks and weeks and weeks. So to think with that bigger picture mindset and, and to envision this as a marathon, because it is and not a sprint, I think that's an advantage the Bucks have that maybe no other team in the East can can boast. Well, you can't spell media without me and or an I as well in there. That's facts. Um, I think there is something to be said about how challenging it is as a fan. I'll go to baseball for this comp. Like baseball is a marathon for the players involved. Well, it's a marathon for the fans too. You know what I mean? Watching a game every single night, you get one off day a week. It's pretty damn hard. 
Dude, it's a lot of work. Nobody thinks about the fans in the time that we put in. Ever. Ever. It's always about the players. Until you're in the outfield of Yankee Stadium and you get beer thrown at you because you (laughs) lost a game. What a disgrace. All right, we're going to step away, take a quick break. More on this, 877-867-1670. If you want to chime in, I'm on Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny. He is at Wisco Grant. More of the Bill Michaels Show. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill coming up next. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in Bill Michaels show 877-867-1670 is how you get a hold of the program. Um, After the game yesterday, Drew Holiday was talking about how they love to see other guys step up in Chris Middleton's absence. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, you love to see it. I feel like we're this team or this family that loves to see each other uh, succeed and, uh, uh, even though it is next man up, we feel like everybody on our team has so much talent. So somebody like Grayson and Pat and even Bobby to really show the world what uh, they bring to the table. Uh, we love to see it. And even like last game with Luca, I mean, that was the first time I saw Luca play. Uh, <laughs> even what he brings to the team and, and um, really just how smooth he plays and, and the passes that he's making. Um, I think from every aspect and every corner of our team, we love to see the success. So he mentioned uh, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis. Uh, Portis, 14 points, 10 rebounds, shot the ball pretty well. Not great from three, but a really efficient game, plus 11 in the plus minus. Pat Connaughton knocked a three down, two of four from the field. Grayson Allen, obviously, uh, 27 points, six of seven from three. Maybe <laughs> maybe he just needs to play every game in Chicago, and then that'll be good for the Bucks. I don't know. Um but uh, let's go back to the phones. 877-867-1670. Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels show. Hi there. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, good. So um, am I actually on? Yeah. Yeah, you are. There's oh, no, uh, I'm, so I'm normally obviously the call, call screener extraordinaire with right. Bill when he's on air. But now I'm sitting in the big, the big seat with the board and everything. So there's, there, there's no All screening right. of calls, which could get That's dangerous. Good. All right. Yeah, so I want to get your guys' take on something. I was watching the uh, Bucks game the other night, and I was pointing out to my friend that uh, coaches really don't wear suits and ties anymore, and you see this in the college game, you see it in the pro game. And then we were both joking how it would be if, the just like in baseball, where the managers wear a uniform other than Connie Mack, who used to wear a suit and tie way back in the day, how funny it would be if the NBA came out wearing a uniform <laughs> and we were just trying to decide who would look the worst uh, on the sidelines. I thought maybe Greg Popovich would, but I want to get your guys' take on who you think would look the silliest or compelled to wear a basketball uniform as the head coach. Um, well, I'm going to go further than the head coach. Who would look the worst wearing a uniform on the sideline? Ben Simmons. um but no i don't know about the coach um i don't know about the coach i appreciate the phone call so i guess i come from a different point of view here because i grew up in villanova country and love adore jay wright 
And I should. think he, I obviously coaches have moved away from suits on the sideline. I think his retirement should, I, I think it should retire with him because nobody can beat his look when he was obviously peak of his powers, winning national titles, spray tan on point, hair's tremendous, and the suit is just perfect. Jay Wright's a good-looking guy. Aged, beautiful. He's 60. Handsome man. You never know. You never know. You'd absolutely never know. I can tell you he would look terrible in a basketball jersey. Coach Bud would look horrendous. (laughs) (laughs) There's no... He looks terrible in a polo. Yeah. And I think it's... He stands in a way where he just like kind of pushes his gut out. Like he leans back a little bit. He's not that overweight. He's not a bad looking guy, but the facial expressions and the posing both need work. And he would look horrible if you slapped him in a Bucks jersey. Yeah, I see that. I'm not, I'm no uh, connoisseur to the rest of the NBA and all of the coaches. I could not name everyone. You know, I don't think I can tell you who's coaching the Wizards these days, unless it's the guy that used to be a Florida Billy Donovan. He's he coaches the Bulls now. Oh, oh, that is that is a tough. That's a tough take, um, dude. I, I wow. got busted on my show on Friday. I thought he was still in Washington. Mm, where was he? He was at Nebraska for a little bit. Yeah, right. Well, I remember that. Yeah, I got busted on my show on Friday for asking where Ben Gamble plays now, and everyone texted me. He's like, he plays for the Pirates. He batted last night, and it was in the ninth inning. And I told everyone, like, I turned the game off in the seventh or the eighth. I was like, I didn't watch the ninth inning. I'm sorry. But people were so quick to jump on me for not knowing that. I, funny. Yeah, I didn't Donovan. know that Ben Gamble was on the Pirates. I didn't know that. You're a better man than me. That's that's tough. I guess I've, well, I've watched the Bucks games. I watched them this weekend, really not yeah. thinking about the Bulls at all because they were dead. Um, no. And mostly watching it and thinking about, well, first thinking, I can't believe Grayson Allen is becoming a hero in this state, but also thinking <laughs> about their upcoming matchup with the Celtics. So, yeah. Grant, I, I played that clip from Holiday after the game. Obviously, if Grayson Allen gives you a 27, you're going to win some games coming off the bench. Do you think there's anything else that has to happen with this team to go beat Boston? Aside from Grayson mm. Allen putting up 30 a night and never missing a shot. Like, is there something else this team needs to bring out or a dimension that needs to play great aside from what already happens? Well, it's going to sound obvious, but I mean, Giannis has to be brilliant. We've watched how Kevin Durant has looked horrendous the last two games. And the way the Celtics are defending Kevin Durant, Ben, reminds me of how teams used to defend Giannis, like how Nick Nurse and the Raptors would build a wall. And before Kevin Durant even really knew what was going on, there are three guys right there. They were blitzing KD and and building a wall for KD the same way that teams have done for Giannis. And Kevin Durant really isn't holding up to the physicality well. Giannis is going to have to come into every game against the Celtics like he has the last two games. Understanding what the defense is going to throw at him and ready right away. Not have a rough first half and then look to make adjustments, but right away know, okay, I'm going to see double teams. I'm going to pass here, here, here. I'm going to have lanes here. Like Giannis the last two games came in knowing 100% he understood the assignment without needing to go out there and struggle for a quarter or two, he's going to have to do the same against Boston. And if Giannis does that, well, then Grayson gets good looks and Bobby Portis gets good opportunities. It's kind of a trickle effect from there. I want to say that Giannis being brilliant is a foregone conclusion, but against a defense like Boston, I don't think it is. So that's the number one thing is Giannis has to come in ready to go with an understanding of what the game is going to look like. That's the biggest thing. Right. I'm with you there. I would add team wide. They need to be tremendous on the offensive glass. 
because yeah. whenever there is maybe a, a downturn in production from the team, especially in the playoffs, then we see one of those games where they just destroy a team inside and physically beat them. And then the tide turns. So with a physical team like Boston, I think that's going to be huge. Well, Brooke Lopez down there, Portis, obviously, um, he, him being like uh, probably one of the biggest wild card rebounders on the team. But yeah, team wide offensive glass has to be there. And I mean, um, I, the, the Celtics aren't the most, uh, they are big at the guard spots and athletic at the guard spots, but Al yeah. Horford is by no means Rudy Gobert, right? So like, it, it's not like you're going up against some of the tallest and best rebounding interior guys out there. 877-867-1670. Let's go back to the phones. Line one. You're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? Well, boys, how y'all doing, my friend? Bruce, what's going on, man? Uh, well, I'm sitting here working. I hear you guys rambling about Ben Simmons. I got to say, Ben Simmons, is to me, is a joke. You get, you get a chance to play your childhood dream, NBA basketball, and you can't even get back on the court. You're gonna sit out a whole year, and then you're gonna, and then you're gonna try to turn around and get some money back on Philadelphia. I'm gonna say this: if you don't want to play ball, I don't want to pay you to play ball. Go back home and just call it a career and just retire if you don't want to play. Let somebody else play in your spot. You're just holding up a roster spot. And as far as Stephen A. Smith, I can't stand the man. He's he is the most negative person about everybody and what he talks about. He doesn't, Stephen A. Smith don't even need a show. He's, that man is so negative. I can't stand ESPN half the time. Um, let me tell you what. I mean, I like Stephen A. for what he is. I'm not going him to the most for the most knowledgeable sports takes, but he is an entertainer. And, and he does entertain. But in terms of Simmons, I'll say this. I, I, am, I can almost uh, confirm that there will be a rule in the next collective bargaining agreement called the Ben Simmons rule where you will not be able to sit out because obviously today in the NBA, there's a lot of load management. Guys are sitting out a lot. You will not be able, I guarantee, in the next CBA to sit out a significant amount of time and still get paid. Because one of the biggest gripes Philly had with the whole situation is when Ben Simmons tried to file a grievance to get the money that he was owed for playing, yet he wasn't even entering the building. And then he went in. You remember, Grant, those two practices? He went in, oh, hit yeah. his phone in his pocket. Like, he was just half-assing it the whole way. It's, it's that. It's the fact that he is collecting $30 million, $40 million and not putting any effort in. From a from a city like Philadelphia, which is more blue-collar, like that, we yeah. all looked at that and said, all right, like, dude, are you serious? And, and that was pretty much during during the, the back end, right, uh, of the pandemic where employment wasn't great, people were still struggling monetarily, and then you see this guy who's getting paid millions and millions of dollars and not putting any effort in. That was probably my biggest problem. My last thing, my last question is, and I'm going to take this one off the air. Yep. Bucks are three and one up to, uh, you know, uh, for bowls. Yep. Let's say the Bucks. What is your worst? What is your biggest fear if the Bucks uh, don't get past the second round? Who would scare you going in the sec- second round? And if the Bucks make it to the West. In the finals, who would you rather see them go up against? Gotcha. Appreciate the phone call, Bruce. Um, so we, we've talked about the east side of it, right? 
Boston. Yeah. Um, next round against Boston in my brain would be the Eastern Conference Finals. I think whoever wins that series goes to the West. And I said a little bit ago, Golden State scares me the most because they're finally back healthy with Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond. Jordan Poole's playing great basketball. Iguodala's still Iguodala, kind of. Like he's old, but he's he's that veteran. Um, yeah. So it's it's probably Golden State that that scares me the most, just because they've done it. And when they're firing on all cylinders, number one, it is wildly entertaining to watch. But two, they are really really tough to beat. And remember, the Bucks, if they have one fatal flaw, they are not good at defending the three point line. And part of that is by design too. They right. just, they just don't. They would rather force a team to to shoot mid rangers and. Maybe they adjust against Golden State. History would tell us probably not because Coach Bud likes to do what Coach Bud likes to do. Golden State, probably. And I was going to mention this on my show tonight, Ben. I have it written down. Isn't it nuts how the vibe in one week has changed so much? The Suns look like the safest bet to advance to the finals that we've ever seen. Golden State didn't quite look right. They look banged up. And now the Pelicans and the Suns are tied 2-2. And Devin Booker's hurt. And Chris Paul always gets hurt. What if Chris Paul comes up, you know, gimp on one of these plays uh, the next couple of nights. And now he's dealing with like a little ankle twist or something. And he's not right. It's amazing how the vibe, especially in the West has changed so much. And even in the East, right? The bucks looked terrible a week ago and now they look back on track and they're up three, one and, and everything looks fine. I- I'm with you, man. The warriors look nuts. And-, and I don't know if they can all stay healthy or keep this going, but the West got a lot more interesting. I thought it was the Suns and everybody else, but I love that the warriors are contenders now and they look legit. Yeah. Big year for uh weirdly shaped birds. You have the Pelicans. Uh, you had the Peacocks of St. <laughs> yeah, Peter's. Yeah. Um, pretty ferocious when it comes to playoff time. All right, we're going to yeah. step away, take a quick break. Coming up at the top of the hour, it's NFL Draft Week. We're talking draft. There is something I think the Packers cannot do in the first round. And it might be something that a lot of people are rooting for, but it's something that I say they cannot do. And we're going to tell you what that is in a couple minutes. Top of the hour, it's the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Alright, welcome back in Bill Michael's show. Grant Bill's breaking news just came across. And naturally, I am uh nowhere close to the breaking news sounder. Because my brain and my hands are in 15 different places. But Pat McAfee tweets out, Aaron Rodgers will join the Pat McAfee show this Thursday. And it will likely be the first time we hear from him since his return slash new contract. I'm sure that's the breaking news everybody really wanted to hear. I'm on vacation on Thursday. I'm not doing a show Thursday night, so I'll have to break it down on Friday. Oh, I have a I have a doozy of a Thursday coming up. Um, oh. Bill is also off on Thursday. Ebo and I are in hosting. Uh, I then uh, obviously the podcast, the post show work, and then Kenny and Heilprin Thursday six That's to right. seven as it, as it has been for about two months now. Show's going well. Lot to talk about. It's our NFL draft spectacular, if you will, talking about Badgers where they're going to go. Pretty much it's going to be Zach rolling his eyes at most every take I have because that's what normally happens. And then I defend it. Same here. Um, and then uh, the Bill Michaels draft show from 7 p.m. to midnight throughout the entire first round. Uh, so we will be on these airwaves, breaking down all the picks, hearing from Mike Clemens, breaking down what the Packers do. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I love the draft. 
are you going to be here until midnight then? Uh, yes, indeed. But hey, yeah. it's 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 all in the name of the draft. I'll do anything for the for the <laughs> NFL draft. Um, speaking of the draft, talk about a segue. Uh, coming up next, there is something that I do not want the Packers to do in the first round. They own two picks, but there is something with those picks that I would be mad if they did. No, it's not take a quarterback. We're not talking about that aspect of it. But what what, what does everyone think they should do? We're going to talk about that coming up next. It's Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.